love them, you hate them, and you can't stop talking about them. Announcers, analysts, pundits, they're all fair game. It's Sports Media Mayhem with Alex Reamer. Time to let it rip. And welcome back to the podcast I was saying in the open. Mike Monaco, you hear him on Nesson, see him on Nesson. Red Sox broadcast as spring training whenever they need him in their regular season. We know him from ESPN as well, college basketball, NHL, and everything else under the sun. Mike, how are you? Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Alex. Uh, good, to, good to chat with you. I appreciate the invite. Uh, everything's good. Headed off to, to Fort Myers a couple of days from now to do some more spring training. And I was just telling you before we hopped on here, uh, not a bad assignment when you can no. escape your weather wherever you are and get to be down in Fort Myers. Especially you. I mean, a lot of your stuff with ESPN, you were saying, is college basketball, hockey. You're really not getting anywhere warm during the winter. So, Yeah, exactly. Uh, like a couple of weeks ago, I went from spring training directly to Buffalo for an NHL oh, game uh, nice. for a, an Islanders Sabres or so, someone was playing the Sabres and uh like that was a rude awakening walking around in Buffalo you know freezing compared to uh you know coming in there with a, a tan or a sunburn <laughs> arriving in Buffalo like that so big time upgrade weather-wise for sure the freezing temps just kind of peel that off I guess yeah. um how have you liked doing the NHL it's been good it's been a ton of fun um yeah it's been a big learning process for me um i had done college hockey before not a ton of it right um and then it was around this time last year so i mean we've got a month left in the nhl season it was around this time last year where uh some of the bosses at espn said hey like do you do hockey and i i do do hockey uh, i wouldn't say i'm the most experienced at that point hockey guy that uh mm-hmm. that has walked the face of the earth or been inside an arena or a rink um, but yeah, I said, yeah. And so they threw me into the mix with three regular season games at the end of last year and then woke up to a press release, uh, you know, announcing the commentators for the playoffs for ESPN last year. And lo and behold, I was doing it. So that's how I found out that I was doing the playoffs last year. So needless to say, all of that was um, quite a whirlwind for me trying to get up to speed on, you know, a full season and get yeah. the nuts and bolts down of hockey broadcasting this year when the season started a regular part of the coverage so i feel like i've you know gotten the hang of it better still have a lot to get better at when it comes to my hockey broadcasting but the more i've done it the more comfortable i've got with it and i was just telling one of our bosses last week actually like the more comfortable i've been the more enjoyable it's been for me because i'm not so uh anxious up there in the booth or you know nervous about the you know the mechanics of of hockey broadcasting compared to another sport let's say a basketball or a baseball that i've done you know hundreds of games of by comparison how did you get involved with espn uh good question um so i had done like a one-off gig for them in the summer of uh would have been the summer of 2018 okay yeah might have been 19 no might have been 2019 anyway it was like a little league softball event Okay. The Junior League Softball World Series out Huge. in Washington. Yeah, yeah, big time viewership. Uh, but no, it was it was actually a blast, and we were out yeah. there for like a week. Um, great place, great part of the country to go to. And um, from there, uh, I, I, that didn't directly lead to anything. But I, and I had stayed in touch with some ESPN people that I knew before that, and then after that as well. And then it was football season 2019. I was working for Big Ten Network and for Fox Sports. And it was the middle of football season. I still remember it. It was like a Monday night in October. 
And I got a call from my agent saying like, hey, ESPN has offered you a full-time contract. And so it wasn't something that I thought was like around the corner or that I knew was coming. Hmm. Uh, So that's really how I got involved with them. And I mulled it over and eventually like within a week made a decision on if I was going to take it or not. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was too good to pass up and the company has been great for me. Um, You know, I'm really fortunate for a lot of neat opportunities that I've had with them. So yeah, it came out of the blue, um, but yeah, really good people made that happen. Yeah. So someone in your situation, a young broadcaster, um, you know, a few years removed from college, is it typical to have an agent? Yeah. Yeah. At that point, um, I guess I was probably a little on the early side, but yeah. And I guess going back even before that point, I probably was working with an agent maybe a little earlier than is common. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but at that point, like for the amount of work I was doing it at Big Ten Network um, and at Fox yeah. Sports it felt, you know, certainly yeah. always felt worthwhile. Um, you know, my approach has always been like, I would love to have someone else advocating on my behalf if if they would like to. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it uh, and it certainly helped me navigate that situation as well. Like, yeah, that's what they do in particular, um, you know, with ESPN stuff again, like I didn't and it wasn't because they weren't communicating with me. It was just like they got a call from ESPN that that they wanted to work together and offer a contract. And so I don't think I would have been able to navigate that space necessarily on my own uh, as well as my agent helped me do at the time. Yeah, for sure. No, it's just interesting because, um, you know, I wonder, so you're, you know, Big Ten Network, you're Fox Sports, you're breaking into ESPN, you're starting with the Paw Sox and everything. So you're doing a million things. And, you know, I, I guess the question is, I hate to say the word brand, like I, I, it makes me cringe, but like there are some instances in which I feel like it applies. Like for me, when I was out of college, like I knew I always wanted to be on sports talk radio. So I kind of geared my, you know, brand online and stuff towards that, you know, interacting with certain shows, writing articles that I figured would maybe be read, et cetera. Someone like you play by play, obviously is very different in a lot of respects. So how do you, do you, do you even worry about like, that part of it or is your mindset just like I'm going to call the games do a great job doing that and that'll be the tapes I send in and then that's the Mike Monaco brand if that makes sense no no I totally get what you're saying I think um a a few parts of it like first of all choose and and I'm you know writing and and sports talk radio I'm sure is the same like you don't get the same opportunities you know just starting out as you would now oh right yeah from now um so part of it is like you say yes to whatever games you get assigned and then I think you trust that like hopefully you develop like they are reps so to speak and like not that they're using them as a training ground but like try to maximize what you can get out of each game you get assigned even if it's not the Super Bowl, but treat it like the Super Bowl, even if it's, you know, the Junior League Softball World Series that's only available on streaming and that people have to pay, you know, $8.99 a month or whatever it is to like have access to it, but treat it the same way. So I think that's part of it. But I think you also do have to be cognizant of, yeah, like, you know, the hesitancy to use the word is absolutely accurate, but like you have to be aware of like the branding and the marketing, I guess, of yourself and of, and of like your ability to do, you know, the events that you want to do at that company, if that makes sense. So like, right. if I'm yeah. a real, if I'm making a real, like, you know, when I got my first Nesson opportunities, 
um, back in 2019 to, to fill in for Dave on the first two Red Sox games I did at the end of the 2019 season. Like what I had sent to Nesson as a reel was like Paw Sox games on Nesson. Like I didn't send them, you know, a college baseball game right. for a yeah. network. I didn't send them, you know, a game that was just on like the local TV down in Rhode Island. Nothing against those products, but like, yeah, try to brand it as like, hey, this is what I've done. Like try to make it seem, a, I guess, a little bigger than than what you've done. And yeah, try to position yourself that way. Yeah, no, totally. Um, were you intimidated the first time or a couple of times you stepped into the Red Sox booth? I know you said at the end of the 19 season. So, I mean, still in your creeping up to your late twenties, mid late twenties. I mean, was that, yeah, was that intimidating for you? Short answer is yes. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Um, so yeah, it was 26. It was late yeah. September, 2019, you know, meaningless games, uh, to a Red Sox fan and, and really to the Red Sox team at that point, but not to um, you <laughs> yeah, me, like the biggest two games of my life, you know, really to that point. Um, and two games that still even later that like I hold in such close regard, yeah. uh, in my heart. And yeah, like I had never met Jerry Remy, you know, rest in peace. I had never met him before that day walking into Fenway. Um, same with Eck. I had never met him and the three of us were working in a three man booth, um, with mm -hmm. Garen on the sidelines, Garen Austin, and they put me at ease that didn't like eliminate the nerves, but it definitely lessened them. Um, and I've said this before, but like what Jerry said to me pregame, like, Hey, like you do your thing, we will work around you. And like, it's going to go great. And I thought that was, you know, the coolest thing then. And I still do that, you know, here's Jerry, a legend, of course, and as um, recognizable and as drastically at one extreme compared to me as the other in terms of, um, you know, like w what he's done in his career, but him saying that to me and saying like, Hey, we, like we will do it around you. Um, that was especially cool. And Eck had a similar message um, later on when I met him as well, getting closer to game time. So that that put me at ease. Um, but yeah, I was still nervous when, you know, seven o'clock rolls around and and you're going for real. Oh, undoubtedly. Um, do you ever listen back to those first couple games and then in comparison to what you've done, what you did last season, for example? You know, I one? haven't. I go back now after regardless of sport. Um, I, I go back and listen to at least a part of every single game that I do. Really? I haven't gotten back. I haven't gone back into the past like that. Uh, yeah, just and look at how much how much different it is. But but you uh, but you do you do listen back to every game that you, a, a, part, a portion of it. Yeah, yeah. So for baseball, like I would watch a half inning at least from every game. Probably not more than that. I think in a perfect world, I would listen back to a lot of every game, but that's. Yeah. A pretty big time crunch or time yeah. suck. Um, but yeah, I try to listen back to, and I do to, to some part of every game or like for basketball from one media timeout to the yeah. next, same deal with hockey. And just, I go back and I just take notes on myself. Um, okay. Figure out like what can be better for next time. Interesting. Yeah. I used to listen back to some segments from my radio shows, but I used to think that was very like narcissistic. So I used to, so I try not to tell people, but I guess you are, uh, cause I would listen back to the segments that I thought were great. I'm like, Alex, that was, you were hilarious there. Like, yes, listen to that. How do you choose what to listen back to? Is it random or are you like, Oh yeah. Well, no, I, I do start with like, um, what I think was like the best half inning of yeah. the game. Okay. And like, I try to start there for like, I guess something yeah. to aspire to so that it's not all like, 
super critical like oh dude you're an idiot why'd you say that like you slurred your words you can't even speak you're supposed <laughs> to be able to do this for a living um no i try to start with like something good and like you know see if i was on target with the right stuff or that if did it come across that way um and then yeah like what what can be different like was your story a little kind of meandering and like didn't really get to the point like yeah um, I was watching back my most recent basketball game last week and that like I thought it was a good segment of of basketball for ESPN but like I was like eh, you could have told that story about the star point guard better than you did so stuff like that you know kind of hmm. really in the the minutia of it but I think when yeah. you like focus and this is really like broadcaster nerdish of me but like I think when you do really zoom in and focus on trying to like isolate those variables hopefully then when you zoom out it does become a better product yeah, undoubtedly. And there's that balance between, uh, you know, you, self-criticism is definitely good in a way to improve, but can't go too much with it. So <laughs> yeah. it's a good it's a good balance. Um, I think one of the first stories that I read about you in which I really became aware of you was um, the winner of COVID, I think 21. Yes, because games were going on. Uh, the Globe, Boston.com wrote a story about how you're calling all these college basketball games in your bedroom. Um, how do you did that experience improve you? as a broadcaster and if so how or if it didn't um, feel free to tell me it didn't and it was no, sucking, no, no. I, I think it did like um i was just trying to pull it up on my laptop at one point when i when i moved out of that place where i was living i counted up how many games that i did um from that apartment from that bedroom and it was like a hundred i want to say it was like 120 wow games that i did wow. and amazingly not once to my knowledge did any of my neighbors ever knock on my door or say anything <laughs> to me and i did games like i did nl west games you know <laughs> that in the central time zone where i was were you know going till midnight uh, right you know and i also did like morning little league softball games that were probably starting at 9 a.m or like rained out college baseball regional games that were getting continued at 10 a.m the next morning so amazingly through all hours of the day and the night um no one ever said anything, but that doesn't answer your question. I, I do think I got better just by, um, well, one, the sheer reps of it, like I talked about earlier and the fact that we could broadcast from home, even though it wasn't ideal, it allowed us to do a lot of games and let's say a baseball game, you know, is going to get rained out that weekend. And if we were on the road, they couldn't fly us from one spot to another, but on really short notice. And this happened a lot. They could say, you know what? You're actually not broadcasting the Miami baseball game today. Turns out you're broadcasting the Notre Dame baseball game today. And instead of getting from Coral Gables to South Bend, Indiana, they're just punching us into a different, basically like, you know, feed. And then you can broadcast that game in a few hours, in a few hours time. So that, uh, that definitely like led to an improvement as well in terms of the reps, but then also just like, you, like you just have to make do with what you have a little bit. Um, and I think improved, me as well like in terms of talking to coaches and players mm. and trying to get stories and learn about them over zoom or over a phone call instead of like you know being around a batting cage like that's you know more valuable and would love to do that in person but like make sure that you can find a way to connect with someone on a zoom too so that mm. you're getting interesting information from them um right. and and being able to to tell their stories but 
yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we're doing far less of it now than we were at that time, but we still do some of it at ESPN broadcasting mm. games from home. Yeah. Um, I don't, it's, it's not, I don't think anyone's preference, but I do understand that they can save a lot of money by doing that. And a lot of companies can. Did, did you have roommates when you were calling all yeah. these? Yeah. yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah, one of my best friends from college, and uh, fortunately, he uh, he was more than okay with it. Um, well, he at least was somewhat interesting as a sports fan. But uh, yeah, I, I probably owe him like a, a nice dinner or something as well, <laughs> a gift card somewhere for tolerating that. That's a good reminder. Um, it's a little, I guess, maybe off the wall, but I'm very into um, like the mental health component of a lot of things, and I think it's especially important. And like broadcasting, because I'm just reading, um, Bill Hoffheimer had a tweet. I was doing a little Twitter search on you before we talked. And he said, kudos to Mike Monaco, 10 game, 14 day stretch, including five straight. And this is just earlier this month. Um, last week he sent it out or two weeks ago. Um, and you know, like when I was, I mean, not to tie it to me, but just as a launching off point, look, and I was starting with EEI, like I was doing late night, turnaround morning, then you're doing this weekend. Can you fill in here, fill in here? Yes, yes. You know, it's still like that to an extent. And sometimes I'm just like, ah, oh, like you're so buried in your work. You're like, is it, I'm, you know, 25. Is there like, there has to be more to life than this. Like, I'm, I love what I'm doing, but you know, it's not all I want to be doing. I'm wondering, do you ever go through things like that? And if so, like, can you attempt a work-life balance? With this yeah, kind of yeah. It's a great question. And honestly, it's something that's been on my mind a ton recently because like I have the same reaction to that. And I, you know, Bill Hoffheimer for folks who don't know works in ESPN PR yes. and he put out that uh, during a, a, like you said, a very busy stretch for me. And I was very appreciative of him of highlighting course, yeah. um, my work, but I was also like, man, like, well, when you put it that way, like that's not super <laughs> healthy um, physically or mentally or emotionally, probably. Um, and even before that busy stretch, that's something you right. know I've thought a lot about recently. Um, so so I would say like it's not ideal to be working that much. Um, but the way I always explain it and, you know, to whoever I'm explaining it to, like it comes in ebbs and flows in our industry, like. You know, I had that stretch of five games in five days, and then I had a week between games. And so, like, okay, you know, it's very different where, you know, uh, you know, other people who work nine to fives, they're not going to have a full right. week off or like on a Thursday sure. or Friday without taking PTO that they're just going to be able to sleep in and like catch up on errands and chores and whatever else it is um, and hang out. So, like, you know, on a lot of Mondays in the summer or in the good weather months, like, I'll be out playing golf and not sitting in an office. So that's how it always, I do feel like it balances out, but the really busy stretches are pretty crazy at times. Um, And yeah, like you think about balance, you think about like, you know, do I need to say yes to every single event that comes along and like, what's the benefit here from a career perspective versus like a personal life balance and important relationships in my life. And that's Are are you at that point where you still feel like you have to say yes to everything? Um, depends. I, I would say yeah. less so, you know, maybe even than a year ago or from two mm. years ago. Um, but still like, you know, like Red Sox spring training, you know, I, I would love to be down there and, and call games. So like, even if it's in the middle of our NHL season or the end of college basketball or the start of college baseball, like, yeah, like I, I would love to go do, you know, Red Sox games. It's a team I obviously, uh, grew up rooting for. So, 
you know, it depends, I guess, on the situation. Um, but yeah, like less so feeling that need, like what you described when you were starting out of saying yes to every single shift that comes along and, you know, doing the graveyard shift. Um, so less so in that regard. Yeah. And the last big thing I wanted to ask you, Mike, is um, spend so many times for so many years talking about like ways to modernize the baseball broadcast because really nothing in this world is the same as it was in 1952 mm -hmm. except i feel like baseball broadcasts and how it's done in some ways um so you're on my age is it is that even possible though like is that just stuff that people who don't do it like talk about like oh like modernize the broadcast but you're like do you, like how do you is that like you want to have an updated feel obviously and you do just because of your age but like do you really think that that's even so like something worth like this that you talk about or think about, or do you just like you just have to yeah. go in there and do the game? Yeah. Yeah. I, it, so it's funny, like that has never entered my thought process mm. at all. Like philosophically what I think a baseball broadcast should yeah. be. Like I do just kind of broadcast the way that I've always broadcast to an extent. And like you do change and evolve and, and that sort of thing. But like, like I don't, I don't fancy myself like, an analytics guy, you know, so to speak, like if that's like something in the grand scheme of baseball broadcasting that gets brought up, like I don't view myself as like some sabermetrician, you know, but I do think like that I'm adept, like I, I understand that information and like I've made it a point to, um, but like I don't go into a broadcast being like, hey, like I have to really harp on war and like I want to explain to the audience what yeah. wins above replacement is. Mm -hmm comes from like to me like the way i always explain it in any sport of broadcasting is like sometimes the numbers aren't the most beneficial thing to explain like right sometimes they are like if you want to like you know strictly and objectively compare you know different players or whatever it is but like if i want to say like something to get a point across the idea is to have it resonate with the viewer or with the listener on the radio and so like you know, if I'm calling a basketball game and a guy's been red hot from three, you know, kick out to the corner, Jones fires, knocks it down, and he stays red hot from three the way it's been the last two weeks. That might sure. be a little more digestible yeah. than like, hey, he's now 11 for 17 over his last four games going back to February 17th in the matchup with NC State, you know, like, yeah. So anyway, that's a, probably a ranging way to get to the answer of it's not something I think about and strive for. But I do think it's just a matter of like, for me, like I want to have um, an understanding of the information that that like, a you know, that a baseball front office is using to make their decisions. Right. Or, right. Uh, if there is a portion of the a fan base for, you know, basketball or hockey, let's say if, if ho like analytics are big in hockey, too, like I know sure. that's going to resonate with a fan base, if I'm talking about, you know, expected goal share or something like that, but you got to pick like your spots. Okay, you also spots, don't yeah. want to alienate people who, who don't think that way and don't have a clue what you're talking about. How about like the conversational and entertainment side of it, especially in terms of doing a baseball broadcast? Yeah. Um, again, not something I like philosophically ever think about or say like, Hey, this is the brand or the identity mm, right. I into a broadcast i think in any sport it's just kind of my style to lean on heavily my analyst and like mm -hmm. make them star like you know like going back to my first red sox games and like I, 
no one wants to hear what I have to say about the nine hitter in a meaningless end of September game, but people care about Jerry's stories and X sure. stories and their humor with each other. So like yeah. if they're going to go in a direction, like I should follow up and like really be intent on listening. And like, this is something I've like really taken to heart in my broadcasting career is like, don't be looking down at your scorebook in baseball or like staring at your laptop for your notes. And I say this to younger announcers when I'm trying to hopefully impart a shred of wisdom on them, if I'm possible of doing that, but like, don't be so caught up in your own stuff, like listen to them. And so I think that probably leads to like a conversational style. If, if you could say that, that I have that and regardless of sport, like I like to do that and, and, you know, pull out whatever, um, you know, stories or expertise that I can from, from the person that's actually the expert, not the one who is a failed high school athlete, you know? Oh, come on. Don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> um, Mike Monaco. I enjoyed the time. I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for the time. I appreciate it. Yeah. My pleasure, Alex. Great chatting with you as well. Thanks for the invite.